0: Welcome to the AAUC monthly podcast series on Building Our Collective American Dream. I'm Dr. S.K. Lowe, President of AAUC or Asian American Unity Coalition. In this November episode, we focus on ethnic media and how it helped shape our collective American dream. What makes up ethnic media? What work do they do? How it helps build a better future for our community? We are very fortunate today to have three distinguished guests, Ms. Diana Ding, founder of Ding Ding TV in Silicon Valley, Mr. Stephen Liu, founder of Asian Media Access in Minneapolis, and Ms. Emma Wu, who is the manager for Committee of 100 Media Relations and Communication. They will share with us their unique perspective on the subject from their vastly different background. Let's go to Jack Hanna, our AUC board member and our host for this podcast today.
1: Welcome, everyone, to AAUC's podcast series, Building Our Collective American Dream. I'm Jack Hanna, and I'll be your host for today's episode, the topic of which is leveraging media for Asian Americans and the practical ways to fairly portray and find solutions for all Asian Americans through media. We welcome today three very impressive, prestigious guests. First, we have from California's Silicon Valley, Diana Ding, founder and owner of Ding Ding TV, which has existed for over a decade and who has been involved with media for almost 25 years. Second, we have Stephen Liu, who joins us from Minnesota, where he and his wife Angie founded almost 30 years ago an ethnic media company, Asia Media Access, that continues to successfully develop teaching concepts and aid various Asian communities by providing them with the media tools to give each of them a voice in telling their own specific stories. Last but not least, we have Emma Wu, who currently is a staff person with the Committee of 100 and previously was a correspondent for China TV for several years. We are very honored to have Xi, Stephen, and Diana as our guests today. First, I would like to discuss with each of you some questions regarding your previous history and involvement in ethnic media. Then go to general questions for give and take. Diana, let me start with you. Describe how your experience as a Chinese radio and TV host and serving in management and advertising helped you prepare, create, and promote your American TV station.
2: I started my media career 20 years ago from Xintao Radio Station, and I won the DJ competition, the first prize, and become a radio host. Joining the local Chinese media has really laid a solid foundation for me to start my own company later on. When I first joined the Shintao radio station, I was a host for the morning show. We need to be there at 6 o'clock and we had to get everything ready in less than an hour. But that gave me a sense that what we are doing is so important to help our community. Later on, I became a TV host. I have my nightly talk show called Amazing Diana on KCNS TV. Every night, we're preparing this show and built up the very close relationship with our community leaders. We talk about important issues about our and a culture and introduce the events. That's really very helpful and laid a solid foundation, built a bridge for me and our community.
1: Diana, why did you decide launching an internet TV station? Do you think it helps you connect to and expand your audience by using such a platform?
2: That started in 2008. On that year, I went to a startup competition. I saw a startup company pitching a technology live stream. And immediately I feel like that's the trend for future TV. They can interact anywhere, anytime. I talked to the founders and say, why don't we go you know, try that with the TV? So I invited him to our company TV station, but my boss at that time didn't really believe that's the future. So I quit my job and started my own company. And my boss, he is very kind. said, I'm going to reserve this position for you for six months. If everything won't work out, you are welcome to come back. I never went back.
1: Very bold of you, and your obvious success tells the story that he had to wait longer than six months for your returns. Stephen, you have a similar professional experience timeline along with Diana's, in that you started in the 1990s your media company, Asia Media Access. Tell us a bit how you came to launch the company.
3: I was at first interested in photography. Angie and our family moved to the U.S. in 1974. Angie got interested in producing videos. And so our photography and video kind of went together. But I think Angie's idea has always been making videos about being Asian American in the U.S., First, uh, it was just about having community access show and that was produced on a monthly basis. So it was pretty much traditional media. At that time, streaming video was like postage sites on the monitor. From there, we wanted to do more than just producing our own show, but also to have and teach access to immigrants that can then tell their own stories and, and write their own stories. So RICE, the reaching immigrants, with care and education came from that and at first in the 90s it was about getting the new southeast asian immigrants mostly the monk boys off the street because at that time the Hmong gang was quite an issue in saint paul saint paul at that time even had a Hmong gang task force and they were experiencing what the black americans have always experienced with the police So for us it was to just get them off the street and teach them something useful and hopefully channel their creativity to a more useful venue that they can even learn to tell their own stories. Currently with rice has evolved to knowing about healing that transgenerational trauma. We need to reclaim our own culture to start that healing process. We're training the next generation about looking into their own heritage, culture, and their own languages, and using media as a tool to develop materials and products for their own communities.
1: What role do you see media technology having in promoting the arts and culture of ethnic communities?
3: It's definitely teaching them just technical skills. The media technology is to help them to have a tool to produce their own stories and have a venue like YouTube or Vimeo or other spaces right now that they can put their stories out there into the communities. The Hmong community is the largest here in Minnesota. And for us, we do have a lot of connection with the Hmong community. Both Angie and I came from Taiwan, but our connection with the Hmong community is definitely deeper because there just aren't that many Taiwanese here in in Minnesota. So we're also not just doing media, we're also doing performing arts. Dance is another venue for them to go in, and K-pop is big with the Hmong community, teens, It's not just about providing with these tools, it's also providing a a different way of looking at how to embrace their culture, because it's always been the mainstream point of view, especially what we see on broadcast TV that we were told about what our culture roles are in the U.S. instead of us defining it based on what we call the bicultural healthy living concept that we have developed in the last five, six years. And that is about looking back to their own culture, has a base in their own culture as an understanding where we are in this larger society. And so looking at that way to be able to develop these messages and stories and say, what are we as Asian Americans?
1: Emma, again, welcome. How has your experience affected your ideas about how to communicate with an American audience? And how does that help you in your role as an advocate for the Committee of 100?
4: I am a first generation Chinese immigrant and have worked as an international journalist, a TV producer, a multi-sector communications and marketing manager. I was educated both in China and the US, have worked in Beijing, Washington, D.C. and New York. Currently, I'm working for a Committee of 100, a nonprofit U.S. leadership organization with the dual missions of promoting the full participation of Chinese Americans in all aspects of American' life and constructive relations between the U.S. and the Greater China. My responsibilities here is to manage the media relations and the communication issues. Back to your question about my ideas on how to communicate with an American audience in my different roles as a communication manager for corporate and NGOs. My personal career track has been changing and relevantly shifted. Ten years ago, I was a foreign journalist for China Central TV based in Washington, D.C., The audiences for our Mandarin programs in the U.S. were those Mandarin speakers with the majority of first-generation Chinese immigrants. And then about five years ago, I became a brand marketing director for a private company based in New York now i am a communications manager for committee of 100 our audience in my opinion is actually the whole american society and how to leverage the media particularly the mainstream media to fairly portray the chinese american or asian american issues is the most important thing we all know historically Asian Americans are being underrepresented in the U.S. mainstream media in entertainment like Hollywood films. But the situation has changed in the past one or two decades. In my observation, the rapid expansion of Asian American population and the groups dominating potential market demand interacted reciprocally with this representation in the mainstream media. We still have a lot of collaborations and leverage to do this. But the future is very promising for us.
1: Thank you, Emma. How can American ethnic journalism better connect and serve their respective ethnic communities and the mainstream community at large?
4: It's not practical to compete with the mainstream media outlets for the Asian audience's viewers, but we could move forward with alternative impact media approach. Actually, many Asian Americans have already venturing into digital spaces to launch new forms of media from the beginning of this century. Several of them studied blogs, self-published, independent identity-focused bloggers, actually became the online Asian American media. They functioned as autobiography, community bulletin boards. And for social media areas, we have the influencers, but now also as the KOLs, or they call key opinion and can be defined as someone who's considered connoisseur of a certain topic and whose opinions are respected by their public thanks to their reputation they have built. And much like influencers who are already well-known in Western world, I think KOLs are now very crucial. In the overall digital marketing approach in our e commerce in Asia. So, I observe all the forms of new media partly as the Asian Americans' reactions to frustration at our continued underrepresentation or absence from conventional media. They also filled the gap left by traditional mainstream news media and evolved into a kind of alternative Asian American media network. This has impacted the mainstream traditional media actually over the past decade. For example, the New York Times and NPR all responded with a focus on hiring more Asian American staff journalists to report specifically about race, ethnic, identity uh, topics. Some even launched a dedicated Asian American American verticals such as the NBC Asian America. So we can tell those early Asian American blogs helped make the case to include more Asian American stories in conventional journalistic coverage. The latest statistics show actually 82% of Asian Americans subscribe to at least one streaming service as compared to 72% of the total population. Asian Americans are more likely to try newer services. I believe no media marketer can overlook this market potential. Diana,
1: in 2016, you started Silicon Valley Enterprise Festival. Then in 2018, you started the Civic Leadership Silicon Valley Business Forum. And then your involvement with the Chamber of Commerce in the Silicon Valley. I find those to be unique approaches. Expand on that if you would, Diana.
2: When we are talking about our community, our Asian Americans, we have to know why are we here and why we come to this country, what we stand for. I joined Rotary Club about 12 years ago, and one day a gentleman asked me, you Chinese come to the United States, live in Cupertino, buy expensive house, and send your kids to the best schools. What have you done for our community? That's really, you know, shocked me at that moment. Since then, I spent lots of my time getting involved in the community. I served in Silicon Valley Central Chamber of Commerce. Later on, I was elected as a director and also served Rotary Club for 12 years and Heart of Hope and many nonprofit organizations. When you work with people and you open your eyes, open your heart, open your mind, and we are able to connect with so many communities, especially Indian American communities since then I really love Indian culture and celebrate Diwali festival and dress up in Sari every year we come into this country stay in our own circle people don't understand each other's culture so they cannot appreciate the difference so only through these events that we meet with people and talk with one another closely and we understand the culture we appreciate the difference when you really open your heart and willing to learn from each other you will see how beautiful the culture is we have a studio 4,000 square feet in Silicon Valley, we open up our place for community events. Before pandemic, we had nearly 100 events. We organized probably 20 of them. All the others are the collaboration and co host or some people come to our place to use the facility. In that way, we're able to reach to the Korean American, Vietnamese American, Japanese American, Indian American and Jewish American and European American. Each time when they come, I would always spend time talking to people. That's the best way to connect people directly.
1: Stephen, let me provide you with an opportunity to respond to Diana's point with regard to communicating cultural differences and commonalities and how your company incorporated that kind of an approach.
3: So commonality, it is such an important base for us to grow together. I heard a long time ago, it's a double-edged sword in that early days when you have three TV stations, it creates a commonality for the whole nation and everybody have the same understanding of where things are. It was much easier to communicate, but it doesn't allow for other voices that doesn't fit the narrative. So commonality is, is important that we have understanding of where our roots are, where our common interests are in the Asian community. At the same time, there are so much differences and diaspora that extends to the whole half of the globe. For us, each individual person, their stories are different. What we can provide is a framework for them to work on from the Bicultural Healthy Living concept and then give them a tool to learn how to tell stories, how to write stories, and how to present it instead of trying to tell their story from our point of view, let them tell their stories. That is our framework at Asian Media Access is to give them these tools and these concepts of how to look for stories and understand where they're coming from and what environment they're in and allow them to go from there.
1: Thank you, Stephen. I want to follow up on that point, Emma, with regard to the stories that are told. What role do you think ethnic media has uniting Asian American voices, promoting their interests and concerns and challenges?
4: because of the underrepresentation in the media of Asian Americans contributions in history our organization the Committee of 100 has just done a report earlier this year called From Foundations to Frontiers it's actually about Chinese Americans contributions to the American society in the past 175 years in all aspects of the society very few people know about our past contribution it's just But thanks to the rapid expansion, we are like some 20 million population for Asian Americans in the U.S. And we are from many countries and regions, and we are so diverse. Now, coupled with the rising grassroots activism, paved the way for kind of renaissance in media representation.
1: Diana? I think Emma was describing the ethnic community in a way that it has been ignored in the past and to correct the record, so to speak. What's your sense as to how to approach these issues that is responsible as far as an ethnic media company is concerned?
2: Some of the social tours are really helpful. For example, we organized Stop Asian Hate Crime event at the end of March. We were able to attract over 800 people. They show up all over. And we even got a CNN host coming to our show, and she was willing to work with us. You start something, you be the leader to stand up and speak out. Some people will follow. As long as you have the heart, willing to contribute, willing to serve, willing to help, you will build up the connection. So I would say that we We're here. We're willing to help. We're willing to serve. We're willing to work with all of you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jack, for your in-depth interview with our three distinguished guests. Ms. Diana Ding, founder of DingDing TV, Stephen Liu, founder of Asian Media Access, and Ms. Emma Wu, Media Relations and Communication Manager of C100. Thank you all for a very interesting conversation. Even though our guests work with media in a very different manner, we learn a lot about the roles of our ethnic media and how it can impact our AAPI community, the perception of ourselves and how to change the media narratives regarding our AAPI community. My main takeaways are ethnic media can reach out to our local communities in providing services, venues, and even technical know-hows to redefine ourselves as Asian Americans embracing two or more cultures. Asian Americans have filled the voids left by major media and can become key opinion leaders or influencers. Together with being the major subscriber to many media outlets, the main media are now paying attention to Asian American issues and establishing more Asian American channels catered to the Asian American communities. Therefore, the future is bright for Asian Americans in changing the negative narratives in our society. The AAUC podcast is supported by our active organization and individual lifetime members. For more information about AAUC, please go to our website at asamunitycoalition.org. Thank you for listening on our AUC podcast on Building Our Collective American Dream. Please subscribe and comment on our podcast and tune in to our next podcast on the last Sunday of December at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The topic will be a continuation of our ethnic media with our guest speaker, Rafi Kapoor, the founder and CEO of DR TV, America's first South Asian broadcast television network. Thank you